and Mother Nature down here, good old Kentucky, has said, okay, winter's here, so get ready, bitches. <laughs> so, welcome to another episode of Mega Chain. I'm Nick. And I'm Victor. And we have a very, very, very special guest with us. Uh, you might have seen him, you know, on maybe Pornhub or XTube or, you know, whatever you find your, your adult entertainment videos. Um, he's been in the news as of late uh, with uh, some shenanigans that we'll talk about later. But we'd like to welcome to the show uh, Hugh Hunter. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Nick and Victor, for having me. Well, thank you for well, thank coming, you for on. coming yeah. on. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, Victor, what's been going on? Well, we're in Los. An- I'm in Los Angeles, and for those who didn't know, and we just had a big win wind affair with the supermoon and then big fires so we are filled with dust and wind and more dust <laughs> everything all over the place so it was very smoky around here today but luckily I work from home so therefore I didn't have to really worry about getting out into it until I went to CrossFit but besides that I'm doing good we have two more weeks to go and I am on my two and a half week break so I'm so excited well that's nice. I don't get breaks. <laughs> <laughs> My breaks are weekends. <laughs> so, uh, Hugh, how are you doing? What's been going on with you? I'm doing well. Um, I'm, for people who don't know, I'm in New York City. I'm based in Manhattan. And today decided not to be winter. And I believe we broke 60 degrees and had some kind of weird humidity. And it was just gray and weird and humid and very odd for December in New York. But outside of that, um, since we're all telling our weather stories, I figured right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> outside of that, things, things have been good. Uh, getting ready for the holidays and have our little tree up and happy to be here chatting with you gents this evening. All right. And just kind of pushing forward and Looking to wrap up this 2017 on a good note and hit 2018 on a good note. I know that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. That's 2017 true. has felt like it has been two years and one. I'm going to say, was, did, was it about four years, maybe 2017? Could we say it was four years? <laughs> I mean, can we please? Yeah, can we say that? <laughs> Just well, get there? Well, I don't know. There's some new news today, so we're getting closer and closer. I, I know it's popping a little bit's popping out with that investigation every day. I, I kind of um, I'm a news junkie anyway, but I've been so watching everything that's been going on like a hawk and trying to sort through the the real announcements from the minutia of people just being pundits speaking about it. So it's it's kind of got me it's got me on edge. Yeah, twenty four hours a day right now. Yeah, exactly. I, I just stick with Rachel. I just stay with her. And oh, I always watch Rachel. Yeah, absolutely. That's just how it's easier for me just to stick with her, and I I can go throughout the day as long as she's telling me what I need to hear. I am good. <laughs> <laughs> that I understand. <laughs> exactly. Well, I know as far as me, uh, I left this morning, and it was about sixty. Left work, it was about forty one, and windy and raining. So I had to deal with that. Oh, but yesterday, 
I got my whole entire life. I went to go see Janet Jackson. Ooh, I saw um, that. And, uh, How was that? Let me tell y'all, I got so emotional. Like, when she started doing Together Again, uh-huh. I don't know, something about that, because I know, you know, the background of the song and why she wrote it and whatnot. But but the, the musical arrangement of it, it just, a sea of emotions washed all over me. And, you know, I miss not seeing Michael when he was in his prime. Mm-hmm. So to see Janet, it was kind of like, oh, I still see Michael in a way. Yeah. 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 But that was that was my Monday and you know that was only my second concert too cuz I don't I don't do concerts too much because a lot of people can sing okay in a studio but when it comes to live, you know, they're like, "Yeah." <laughs> so, that was that was an experience. And I was like, if I get emotional here, God forbid I see Beyoncé, I, I might just be DOA. Well, I have to like have my wheel yeah. ready and set to go before I see Beyonce because I know she's going back out on tour. She's going. Yeah. To, she's working on something because she's got that little laptop with her. Yeah, um, I I saw her last year and it was, I wasn't ready because I remember I think I told people the story. I literally made a decision to go like while I was at work. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go see Beyonce. My boss said, well, okay, you can just all right, well, go have a good time, and I went. And I wasn't prepared because, you know, I was like, I'm going to go see her. But it was an experience. I mean, she really puts a lot of work out there and it was really fun. So if you get anybody, I I think everybody should see her at least once. She's like, you have to see Janet once. You have to see Madonna once. You have to see Donna Ross at least once and Tina Turner. She's one of those people you have to see. You just have to see. Exactly. And I know the tour is wrapping up the state of the world. I know. I think and, the, and I missed it. Like the, the <laughs> Insane City, I think this is in Atlanta. But. Yeah. And she hit, when she hit that if choreography, I was like, girl, I almost threw myself down the steps because, <laughs> bitch, I was trying to hit it too. And there was no fucking room and everybody was trying to hit it. I was like, okay. So you wanted to run on stage. Right. So basically, what you were trying to do was run on stage and join the group. Listen, I could have. <laughs> no, because then I would have got tackled by security and then wind up in jail and then nobody else do the show. <laughs> See? Yeah. But let's get into these topics for Unc Macy. Yeah, so let's get into one of the big ones. Um, So, I knew this would happen as soon as we dropped our show last week. Um, Infinity War trailer, big movie, came out and it was... It was funny because I woke up to go pee at five, or like five thirty or something like that, and I think I saw already people were talking about it, because I was expecting it to be a little bit later, but luckily it was on, and I laid in the bed with tears coming down my eyes, <laughs> which I was like, why am I crying over this? But it was just the music and just seeing what was happening and seeing a bearded calf. My God, just coming out of the dark. Like he's coming into oh, your room to like, you know, take care of anyway. And so it was just a little bit. It was just so much in it. And I don't know, Hugh, do you do you get into the superhero movies at all? You know, I've, I've, I've seen a number of the super. For hero movies, um, I've seen two of the three Thors and mm-hmm. uh, an Iron Man or two, 
definitely I've seen a couple of Captain Americas in the first Avengers mm-hmm. and Guardians. I don't think I follow it maybe as closely as you all do mm-hmm. or as some real true fans do. Um, but I did take some time to, to, you know, seek out this trailer to kind of get, because I'm, I'm familiar with all the characters and have seen enough of them individually and a bit together to kind of understand what was going on. Um, I just, with the, with these Avengers movies, like the big group movies, there's just so much storytelling that, that's, that, that happens that, and maybe it's because I don't know everyone's backstory as well as others do, but I, I tend to, I, I, I find myself wanting to find out more about certain characters than other characters, but the way their their time is weighted in the movie because there's six or seven or however many there are because the number keeps growing, I feel like I don't get as much of certain characters that I want that I really am most interested in and want to get. But with that said, the trailer that they put out was gorgeous. I mean, definitely the music and the scoring that they're that they've done, and it 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 brought back so that whole feel of like the huge like the scoring of an old the John Williams scores yeah of right from those movies, and that's kind of that whole feel that I think Marvel and Disney's trying to re-evoke in in these series and. I mean, from that aspect, it was um, kind of amazing to watch. And yeah, Chris Evans with with some facial hair is a sexy <laughs> man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I checked that. At, oh my gosh. Because <laughs> he has this innocent look about him, but then with this beard, he looks like he could be like one of those type of, like a like a a secret daddy. Like he comes off like that. Like, I don't know. I'm That's just me and my fantasies. But I just have this thing about, like, he has this good boy thing to him, but yet he doesn't look... Like, you just never know what he really has hidden in him. So, besides that, I, I just thought the trailer was really great. There was a lot we got from it. We know Thanos is, is not going to play around with anybody. He didn't come to play with anybody's hoes. Um, I, I'm just... I, I'm just I, I'm I'm afraid to know who's not gonna I'm afraid to hear about who's not gonna make it. Um, I have an idea. I have there's three people I think it's not gonna make it. But I'm not gonna. What do you think? I don't want to say. Well, I'll say one. I think Hawkeye is gonna get. He's Give gonna us bite one it. One that you think. Hawkeye. Hawkeye is gonna bite it. He should have bought it like <laughs> three movies ago. He is boring. As no, fuck. but but Jeremy's kind of kind of hot in a weird way. But um, I. I think he's gonna get it. There's talks of Cap getting it, but I I can't I can't see that. I refuse. Yeah, I, I've heard those. I've heard the, the the rumors of Cap not necessarily making it through, and that kind of you know threw me a bit. And then I also you know there was there was a very eerie quote that I saw of Robert Downey Jr.'s about you know. The, the not replacing of Iron Man, you know, because his contract is coming up again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that maybe it, that it could possibly just be time for Iron Man to be done. Uh-huh. And I think mm-hmm. that was, that was a, you know, little weird peek inside of maybe the end of him. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, I'm all for killing folks. Get them up out of here, you know, get to 
get some new blood in there. And like I said, a lot of people's contracts are coming up. <laughs> yeah. So it would make sense in that aspect to kill off these characters or somehow pass them to pass the mantle to another up-and-coming person to take their place. Uh, but as far as the movie, I, the, the trailer, I thought it was gorgeous. Um, I'm ready for them... I'm ready for the Avengers to take a loss because they really haven't had anything or anybody serve them hands. So for Thanos and his lieutenants to come and fuck shit up, I'm all for that. Because mm-hmm. you know, you know, I love the villains. I'm always rooting for the villains anyway. <laughs> but uh, what was it? May May fourth, and we caught that date. Uh, Disney and Marvel. Yeah, it's going down. It is. So I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great. And I love the timing of this because, as y'all know, today, uh, some more information dropped that those talks of Mar- uh, Disney taking over um, some properties with Fox kind of yes. kind of popped up. And so I feel like this is the perfect time because if you think about it, if they get that property, and I feel like that's what they're going to do regardless. If they do anything, they're going to take that property. That's how they're going to continue their phases because we're going to be there for their version of the X-Men, maybe Fantastic Four. I know some people like them. I, I like them, but it ain't that deep for me. But, you know, I think that's a great way to say, okay, so now we can reintroduce stuff because, again, with the Infinity War and Infinity Gauntlet, you can erase reality with with the power of the gauntlet. So therefore, anything can happen to where they come back and it is something totally new. It can be new groups. The mutants can be introduced. So if this whole deal goes completely through, we can probably see the X-Men that we deserve to see <laughs> and the Fantastic Four that we deserve to see. And not only just the X-Men, but the whole X-Men universe will be over there with them. So I kind of hope that if they do do this, but they don't bring back. They can bring Deadpool. They they can bring um, what's his name? Little cute guy. They can bring him for Deadpool. But with the X Men people, just do them all over again. Just get all brand new people. Now see, well, you know, I always have my my conspiracy theories and whatnot. I think this deal is already finalized. They, they just have some kind of NDAs in place or some kind of hmm. precautions not to say that it has been finalized. So, they, so you think they're pulling a number Beyonce, two, basically? <laughs> yeah. Number two, it feels like that Disney and Marvel are slowly, if not rapidly, becoming like Monopoly. So you have them, if they can't go toe-to-toe to to- to- with you, then they'll just buy you outright. Yeah, and we've seen this. We saw this in the uh, telecommunications industry. We saw this in a lot of other industries. So I, I don't want them to get so big that they're the only person in town. Now, being said that, Fox doesn't need to have X Men anyway because they don't know what the fuck they're doing with them. Especially when they have people like Brian Singer's messy ass oh. all up through it and oh. fucking shit up. Um, and Brent Ratner, another piece of shit. Um, so anyway, he still needs to get these hands for X-Men 3, but that is a whole different story. I, 
and like you said, we had said on a, a couple of episodes ago that they were already bringing in the X Men in the next, the second phase. Once the the, the Infinity Wars break yeah. uh, happens, mm-hmm. because doesn't in, in the comic books doesn't Wanda uh, Scarlet Witch doesn't she reverse time or something and then it splits off into two different parallels? No, what she does that's uh that's in the House of M. So in that she okay. at one point she does change things around where it was mutants was really ruling everything basically magneto was ruling the world and then she turned around after she realized that she's what she was manipulated to some degree to say that no more mutants and she erased mostly all the mutants um and then she redid it again but that could be a place where you know her power is pushed um you know fighting thanos fighting the gauntlet we we, we don't know and that's the neat thing is we don't know where this can go but hopefully it will, you know, give us a new group of people we can kind of fan for. And as we said before, we see some of the younger ones coming into play. So we see Ironheart, we see Young Avengers, we see um, probably younger mutants. We see a lot of this coming down the pike. And so hopefully, you know, if this deal works out, we'll get the the true Marvel Universe, cinematic universe that we deserve. And who knows? So I'm excited about that. But you just brought up something that we do need to talk about because... That kind of fell out within the last two days. Is Brian Singer? Mm. Well, we just went from <laughs> the light to the dark. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> let's get I into just, it. I'm just here's here's with Brian Singer. I, I'm I'm fascinated. <coughs> He's another one that I'm fascinated that it's taken this long for anything to come out on. Yeah. Um, partially, I, before I was Hugh Hunter. I spent a lot of years, and I still do, in in theater and doing some film and TV. And I was aware of Brian Singer from back in my younger years, when he was, you know, getting his first launches on the directorial side of things, and you know, starting to be in charge of some casting, mm-hmm. you know, from a director's position, um, working with casting directors, and. It was already flying around then, like, well, I mean, this is this is going back some 17, 18 years of the lecherous parties and whatnot that would transpire at his house mm-hmm. with gents who <coughs> may or may not have been 18. Yeah. So when this story fell out of, you know, him having this run-in with the lead of the biopic and you know I'm, I'm sure that they probably did have a run-in that doesn't surprise me but it, i i know that there's allegations and whatnot that are also accompanying it but it's just it's i just continue to be fascinated that it's taking this long for these stories to come out on these people yeah you know uh-huh. kind of like when harvey weinstein you heard these stories are dating back 20 and 30 years and, you know, there's stories for Brian Singer dating back 15 and 20 years. I'm, I'm, I continue to be fascinated that that these stories get held and concealed for so long in Hollywood. It's just, because, oh, you know, you can blame, well, if you, if you guys didn't know, Brian Singer was fired from the uh, Queen uh, Bohemian Rhapsody biopic. 
and he said the reason why he uh, he wasn't on set to uh, to direct and whatnot. He said the reason was he only emergency or some some kind of family illness. Yeah, it came out him and uh, Rami uh, Malik had had some kind of altercation on set where Brian threw something at uh, Rami. Hmm. And that ended up in him being terminated. Now, a lot of this, like you said, the the issues with Brian, I, I remember, because we had covered it in an earlier uh, episode, that uh, Noah Galvin, he was uh, the star in the the Real O'Neills. Mm-hmm. He was saying things about Brian Singer, and then all of a sudden, his show gets canceled. I was like, that that's not coincidence. Some he Brian has something to do with that show getting canceled, and I don't care what anybody says, Brian made that happen. Yeah, it's it's interesting because also being here in L.A. and. Um, at one point, Brian had, I think, something with um, USC when it came to the film school. And I used to be there. And when I, my fear was I had a lot of students that I worked with. And, you know, a lot of more gay students who always wanted to be a part of the party scene because a lot of them came from different, you know, states and heard a lot about L.A. And I always feared that I didn't, about them going to anything with his parties because what is very known around here especially around WeHo. Um, Brian Singer, he's always around WeHo, where he used to be. I don't know about how how it is now, but I know when I first moved here, I used to see him around WeHo. And it's, yeah. And so I used to be concerned because you have a lot of these young students, um, a lot of the young gay students come from places like Alabama and uh, Montana, and they come to LA, you know, they go into school and they get caught up in, in the life and I always wonder like please I don't I, I don't want to hear none of my students saying I went to one of those parties because the stories about those parties and how you know they will start very late and then you know they always say stay until like two or five in the morning where stuff gets really hot in the pool and these older guys like you know going after these young boys it was just disheartening and then to see other stories come out I think today I, I retweeted a, a, a thread from someone who worked with him about how just horrible Brian was and you're right Hugh it's weird how we've always heard about this but it's taken so long even with that case that came out a couple of years ago I thought that was going to be the end of him working yes and apparently it didn't it didn't stop him I mean I know the case was dropped but still it would have been enough for me as a company to say dude I can't have this drama in my house. I can't have this. Well, I, I also, I, I want to flip back for just a second to, you know, there was the altercation between him and the star of the film. Yeah. And there was the Brian Singer throwing something. But Brian Singer throwing something at his actor wasn't the action that actually got him fired uh-huh. from the statement from the, from the film company that's producing the film. Mm-hmm. Their statement was, he then proceeded not to show up to film dates and left filming to the cinematographer. Um, and he did this, then they took the holiday break, and then he continued not to show up after that. 
And that is when the film company terminated him as the director because he had a pay or play contract and he wasn't showing up. So they were able to terminate him. But that makes me think, but when he physically threw something at his actor and the crew and everyone on set witnessed that, that wasn't enough to prompt the studio financing the film to fire him. They waited to fire him until yeah. he physically broke his contract yeah. by not showing up X amount of days. So I'm really not happy with, as an actor, a, a, an actor you know, outside of the adult entertainment world, I'm really not happy with this film company for not standing by their actor yeah. in the position and dealing with Mr. Singer immediately. Yeah. That waiting for him not to show up back to work to then say that he violated his contract. Yeah. Um, they're going to let him just keep walking on set and throwing things at actors yeah. because they, they, they get into disagreements yeah. and, you know, altercations. I mean, that happens a lot on sets with people in artistic communities. There's often heated debates and arguments and yelling matches that I've seen, but we don't resort to throwing things yeah. at each other. That's just, you know... <laughs> kind of completely unprofessional yeah. um, but knowing Brian Singer's history that doesn't surprise me either so yeah. I don't know if the studio was trying to find the most legal way to fire him you know with waiting for him to screw up and not show up for another day on set or if too many other things were just starting to pile up on you know his reputation or if there's some other big story getting ready to drop about Brian Singer where he's the next one going to be put up on the chopping block with Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey and all these other folks. I, 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 who knows what's going to come out about him in the next handful of days that the studio decided to get in front of. Yeah. But it's, there's, it's just, it's, it's a very convoluted situation. And I will, I will never fault a victim ever for not coming forward. Um, I, I don't want anyone who may be listening to think that I'm saying that, you know, well, if some victim would have ever come forward, this wouldn't have been going on for 20 years. That's not true. This more than likely would have continued to go on for 20 years because these are very powerful people in very powerful positions that a lot of people's money are riding on. So they unfortunately get to get away with an exaggerated amount of wrongdoing yeah. before, you know, the public finally says no more. Yeah. And that's what I think, that's what I'm kind of glad is happening, that there's so many people now that are just saying no more and all these people are kind of getting thrown under the bus all at once. But it's, it's just unfortunate that so many people had to get hurt waiting for it to happen. Yeah. Right. And it isn't lost that uh, Brian Singer directed The Usual Suspects, and the star of The Usual Suspects was none other than Kevin Spacey. Yeah, so, I mean, there, there's something going on there, too. <laughs> yeah, it's like all these coincidences. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't make, you can't make, it's... It's scary. Yeah, I, it's scary. It's scary to think about how many young boys have been ruined by this, because, you know, I'm thinking of... Who knows what Kevin Spacey and Brian Singer, have, you know, together have probably put, you know, done, you know, the damage they could have done to any of these young actors. And I just feel like and I 
and I was really pissed because I kept seeing people post, well, they know they were getting into, they know that. They just, I was like, no, they, you don't oh. understand. You do not understand. It is not how you should look at this. It is totally That's wrong. That's the equivalent of saying a rape victim was a uh, clothes were Yeah, too I was like, no, you cannot do a that. A woman's uh, skirt was too short. You cannot blame them because they don't, they don't know any better. They don't know what they're walking into. And even if they've heard of stuff, they they cannot imagine having that truly happen to them again. When stuff happens to you, that you're not, that you're just really like taken aback from, it, it you don't know how to react to it right away. You don't. Well, and and I, and I'm going to come to the defense of you know any of these people who were victimized and you know public that would say, well, they knew what they were getting into. He had a reputation or that the business is filled with creepy people, that kind of thing. If you're working your whole life to get the opportunity to, to act in a film or on a Broadway stage or, or you know, some, some major arena of entertainment, and your big break, your big first opportunity is going to come through working with someone that you've heard some that there's a lot of rumors swirling about. You're never going to say no as a a new person in the industry trying to get that first big break to the opportunity that's put in front of you. I mean, we, we all know the number of people who actually make it in LA and become a name on a TV show or in movies. You know, the the percentage is, is, it's not even a full percent of people who go out there, not even a full 1% Mm -hmm. get that happen in their life. So getting told that you're going to get to be in a Brian Singer movie when you've just recently landed in LA, that's a big, that would have been a big deal. That would have been a big deal to me. You know, it's something that I probably would have jumped on because I would have been like, oh my God, it's a huge, huge break. This is a name. Yeah, I know he's, got a lecherous history from what I've heard, but, you know, how this could be the door that that gets me in. So I, I don't think you could fault anyone for yeah. ever having said yes to working with him or Kevin Spacey or any of these people who are going to get thrown out for, you know, doing what they've done. Because that's, that's just not fair. These are people who are just trying to go in and work and trying to do their jobs. Yeah. And get that break that so many people are praying to get. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that they deserve to be assaulted. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because they're showing up to do a job. Yeah. That's an absolute ludicrous assumption that the public makes. Yeah, that's very true. And I hate to see that. But people, you know, they believe that. And I'm like, I don't know how you can process that. Because, again... An actor doesn't expect this stuff to happen to them. They, they going in, like you were saying, they going into work. They, like when we go into work, we don't expect hell to break loose. Or, yeah, you're not thinking of that. You're like, I'm trying, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, doing my job. I'm gonna go home, you know, and then come back tomorrow and handle business. But you don't think about being assaulted. You don't think about that stuff. So when this stuff is happening, I'm sure they they're caught out. You know, just caught. They're surprised. They're shocked. They're they can't believe it, you know. So I, I if anybody who believes that, please really check yourselves because that is ridiculous, totally ridiculous. All right. Well, so let's get into something a, bit, a little bit lighter. Lighter is good. Yeah. 
So there was uh, the first look of Robin for DC's Titan. Um, I, I, I don't care, honestly. <laughs> I, I don't care about Robin because it, it just looks blah to me. Well, what do you think? Well, I, I saw in the, the, the young actor is um, Brandon Dwight's, um, Brenton Dwight's. Um, he, I think he's British, I think. Um, he's been in several movies. He was, he was in The Giver. He was in one of the, the newer versions of the Pirates. He was in Gods, <laughs> Gods of Egypt. Um, Oof. so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was, you know, for Robin, I'm fine with him being Robin. Um, he's, cause I look at it as this is Robin. This is not. Nightwing, so I'm fine with that. Cause at first I was thinking, um, okay, but I was like, no, he's Robin. He's not Nightwing, so he can be. Um, he may he may not be Dick Grayson. I think I don't know. I I didn't look to be for sure if it, if he's the Dick Grayson. I can't even say the name. If he's Dick, but I think he I think somebody say he is Dick in this one, but he's Robin. So when they cast yeah. Nightwing, he is going to the Nightwing is probably who will you know will probably. That's the one we will be concerned with. Um, but I saw the costume. I was like, you know, it, it's it's right down to what he looks like. Um, I think it's Tim Drake who that outfit is worn by. So maybe he's Tim Drake. Um, uh-huh. I, I actually read an article about that today. Mm-hmm. And that whether it was Tim Drake or Dick Grayson. Uh-huh. Because he's so outfitted to look like Tim Drake yes. in the promo. Yeah. And they said while they've outfitted him to look like Tim Drake, he is Dick Grayson. Oh. Going as Robin. They mm. chose the Tim Drake <coughs> costuming mm-hmm. because it was the it was a darker, more serious tone mm-hmm. that they thought lent better to the idea of Titans than, you know, the very cartoonish, you know, um, Dick Grayson costume with the short shorts and mm-hmm. the, you know, yeah. the elf shoes, if you will, and that sort of thing. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's kind of the vibe that that the uh, that the article was getting of them sort of explaining the costume because I guess they've been they were getting called out on having it be Dick Grayson and but having him be outfitted as the Tim version. Yeah. So well, that makes sense. Yeah, I, that, I, I see that. That's kind of what I understand from it. My question is to to you folks, since you're more in the know of the cinematic world of the comic book world, does does DC really even have a leg to stand on right now outside <laughs> of Wonder Woman? I mean, seriously, that Wonder was Woman pure was, shade. was a spectacular movie, yeah. but then Justice League came out and was kind of like, "Are you kidding me?" So I, I'm just I'm just curious, like if if they're really you know I'm sure there is a market for Titans, but I mean what kind what kind of world is there for DC in the cinematic world since Marvel is so leaps and bounds ahead of them? I mean, are are I mean what what could they possibly bring to the table? Well, I know these I know Titans is going to be on DC streaming yeah. service, so. Okay. Um, it's going to be behind a paywall, and they DC typically does TV shows 
better than their movies. So okay. it That's could true. it could work, but a, a negative in that aspect is it's behind a paywall. Yeah, so, so for the mass public. Exactly. Yeah. I, it's just I don't know. I really yeah. don't know what they're doing over there at DC. <clears throat> so I don't the, think they know what they're doing. See, the the interesting thing with DC is if they wanted to, they can always say that this is because in the DC comic world, we are very for those who have been with the comic for so many years, we're very familiar with um, Crisis on the Fated Earths, where we got to see the different versions of um, Superman and Wonder Woman, in different places and different planets, different times. They could easily say that the the cinematic universe and the and the Arrowverse slash CW universe, um, and the this paywall universe are all different versions of you know Earth One, Earth Two, Earth X. Um, so that could be done that way, and if they were cute about it, they could tie it up in one movie to say like, hey, this is the multiple universes. Like you're saying, Hugh, they 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 the leg they got right now is a peg leg. So <laughs> I feel like what they we said this before, what they need to do is basically have a meeting and let some people go and really, th- you know, start over again. Because I feel like with so many universes out there that they have with the DC universe, eventually something's going to work. But I feel like with so many at the same time, with so many of these universes, it's going to be hard to really tie in what we like about the overall DC you know, cinematic feel. Because with Marvel, we got... There are things that are connected with the, you know, with the Netflix shows. It is connected with um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is connected to the cinematic universe. What yeah. we, and then we also have with Freeform, with The Runaways, um, as well as Cloak and Dagger that will be coming out soon. Um, we'll see how that will be connected. But with DC Universe, it's just a little bit much. So I I'm going to give titans a chance it may be great the casting has been great so far um this brenton you know we'll see how he goes i'm happy that they made sure he is considered a robin because they also trying to cast someone for nightwing um the movie (coughs) so that's gonna be a lot of work because everybody knows that um dick grayson the older version is very handsome very built Known for he's got an ass on him. Yeah, basically that. (laughs) Everybody, he's known for that. So they're gonna have to be very smart how they pick this person um, to sell this movie because this might you never know. Wonder Woman was the jump start to them getting back on track. Who knows? Nightwing could be that movie that that helps them get back on track. It feels like with DC, it's so uncertain. A certain movie can bounce them back, and we'll be like, "Whoa, we didn't know." Because it could have been Suicide Squad, but that was not the case. It turned out to be Wonder Woman. (laughs) (laughs) Not with... uh, If if they would have made just Suicide Squad about Amanda Waller, then it would have been about something. But they tried to make this Joker, and I have issues with Jared Leto. I I don't like him. Yeah. I barely like. I can tolerate Will Smith. I don't like him either. Yeah, um, I, I tolerate. I feel like I tolerate Will Smith. Oh my God! It's nobody likes Will Smith. I do not like. I love Will Smith. It's the Scientology. I'm certain. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, see, well that that's a rumor. 
So I'm gonna, you know, Jada kind of spoke on it. I guess I'm, I, you know, I I think I thought about it the other day. I think I like him more because of Jada. I think that's why I like him more is because of her. See, I, yeah, I I adore Jada. <coughs> yeah, I love seeing Jada yeah. in a movie. I think J- Jada's funny and she's smart and she's quick. And I I don't know. There's something about watching Will Smith in a movie that isn't Independence Day that I just don't <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> But you're right. J- Jada is fun to watch. I will always love. I always love her and everything, including um, Magic Mike too, because I like her. She's Rome. Yes. I loved her in that. I, she fit that role. Like she's running a house of male strippers, and you know she taught um, Sexy Pants how to how to do his thing. Channing. Channing Tatum. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still the, trying to make Gambit a thing. You know, I'm. Let him try. I'm. A, I know. I'm. I'm. I'm a lone wolf on this one. I'm like. You let are him, the yes. You are the only wolf. On that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like. Let him try. Because yeah, my question on Channing is 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 very serious. But <laughs> let him try. <sighs> okay. Uh, I mean. <clears throat> I might not be there. I might pay some other somebody's other money to watch mm-hmm. it, but we'll we'll see. Yeah. If Gambit comes out. Yeah. But anyway, moving on in some political news, it seems that the annual White House <laughs> holiday party had some missing people, basically some black folks and some LGBT reporters were not of the uh invitees and there was the most notables uh april ryan was not invited yeah uh cnn said they wasn't going to come uh let's see olivia nunzi of the new york magazine she wasn't invited and she said even if she was she wouldn't have attended which (laughs) you know that would have been my stance too Uh, it's you know and Chris, this administration is not even hiding it anymore. And I also want to put out Chris Johnson, who writes for, um, I think, the Washington Post, but he's a well-known gay um, reporter who's worked on uh, Washington Blade, too. I think he was on Washington Blade as well. He was not invited either. He's been in the press for years. And so he was not invited as well. You know, I just can't. I can't take this. This administration is so full of shit. And Sarah uh, Huckabee Sanders, the White House she, Secretary, she said there's a special place in hell for her, just waiting <laughs> for her when she when she dies. Exactly. Anyone who could peddle the absolute and utter I, I can't I can't even put into words what she's peddling. It's so beyond egregious what she is saying to the American people and in these sessions that any human being who would stand there and say it day after day after day deserves everything they have coming to them because they are literally the minister of propaganda by by standing out there and saying it. I mean, there, there is, there is no coming to the defense of this person. There is no coming to her aid. There is no feeling bad for her saying, oh, it's her job. You know what? Everybody else has quit or got fired from that position. 
if she had, you know, any integrity as an actual political force, she would have long been gone from that position, even if she is a real Republican. She would have long been gone from that position because yeah. they, they wouldn't be able to stand there and say the things that they have to say to defend his every move. Yeah, especially exactly. today. Today when she was they was talking about Rory Moore and she oh. was the what she was saying, well, they'd rather have this person. The way she was saying it was like you're not really answering the question, you're just kinda of putting it out there. That made it and it made it sound worse. She's like, Well, it's up to the people of Alabama to make that decision. I'm like but what does the president, you know, I feel like maybe because I was watching West Wing, you know, a few times or because we had Obama, I felt like when we had people who were speaking for the president, they were actually speaking in a way that you understood where the president was coming from. I mean, we do understand where the president's coming from with this, but it just felt like like a regime. It just felt like, oh, my God, this is. We are really saying this. We're really defending a, a, a child molester. We are really not fighting back on this. And what dude did you know that gets banned from a whole damn mall? <laughs> Seriously. Like, you have to be on it's some not, bullshit. It's not just banned from Hot Topic. Or right. Yeah. <laughs> it's banned from the whole mall. You said Hot Topic. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. <coughs> Who's been who was removed from office? I think twice. And he came under. He's come under charges. So I, I, the, the the Roy Moore story. Here's here's the Roy Moore story. The Roy Moore story is Kevin Spacey and Brian Singer, yeah, who are losing their jobs, but because he's a straight white old Republican, he gets to go be in the Senate. Uh-huh. Yeah. Somebody has to explain how that works for me. Yeah, that the gay people who do the same thing lose their jobs and their careers. Not saying they shouldn't, but they are. But the straight Republican is going to get a seat in the Senate. Well, let's not speak that into existence. There's still a chance. Um, latest numbers do. The way it looks is if I hate to say it like this, but if the black vote comes out, he's lost. Yeah. And, you know, I can't trust the polls ever since. I know. Ever since, ever since the last election, the polls exactly. are Exactly. <laughs> uh, Nate, 35, uh, I was, you know, I was riding hard for you. And then once it went, went down, went down, I was like, you know what? Let me, I can't. I just can't. I think, I think that hurt his ego a lot. I think that really, he has drawn back, if y'all noticed, that he's not as out there as he used to be. I think this was a big hurt to him because it was you know we i'll never forget that night you know i remember being at crossfit and we had about 20 people there because nobody wanted to be at home because because of that we all was up here sweating and throwing barbells because we're like we don't even want to deal with the reality but anyway you know it's it's very interesting to see how this is getting out there and the way we're being treated and i feel like we have to get him out of office soon because we're getting small hits of what was what's going to happen to us as LGBT people. Well, I I mean, of course I'm concerned for the LGBTQ community being a member of it, but I'm really concerned for the country as a whole. Yeah. We're we're literally racing to the bottom in so many areas with environment and education, um, with job creation, 
with technology advancement. Everything's been stunted and is starting to roll back yeah. in, in just this past year, um, especially with the environment and with education. And, you know, education leads into technology advancement and all, and all the rest. So it, it's just a, it, four years is too long to wait for there to be a better plan in place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just that's far, far too long to wait. It, I mean, just just looking at what's happened in one year and this and mind you, it's a year when he wasn't able to pass any of the major legislation that he wanted to get passed. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we've been, all of these things are unraveling. What happens when he starts getting things passed like this awful tax plan and you, and other pieces of legislation that are going to be on the docket coming up in 2018? It, it's, it's, only, it's frightening to think how much worse things could be when he actually starts getting his way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Hmm. Should I, I need a drink after, <laughs> after just thinking about it. Well, speaking of that, while we go ahead and we'll take a break, <laughs> um, just because we we gave you all a lot of heavy things, but we're about to switch it over soon. So we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. Universal FanCon is a brand new convention coming to the Baltimore Convention Center in April of 2018. FanCon will be a round-the-clock event featuring comics, cosplay, gaming, celebrity guests, music, and more with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Get your tickets now at UniversalFanCon.com because geek is universal. All right, we are back. And now we're going to get into our King Size issue today. Um, So... If y'all have been paying attention, there's been a lot going on in the adult entertainment world, especially the gay porn entertainment world. Uh, not long ago, um, I want to say, and I'm going to say it wrong, so at the, it's, it's kind of like the awards, and it's not the, the ones that come, I can't think of the name to slip my mind. But the overall gay, um, gay porn awards are coming out. I've been to one before, um, which was actually fun and, and interesting. Um, but I think it's, they've been gone for a while, right? Was it gone uh-huh. for? And then it decided to come back. Um, but when it came back, they had an interesting category. So they had best ethnic scene. And <laughs> seeing that, I was like, um, so, okay, so we are we kind of doing a, a Jim Crow version of, <laughs> of these awards? What's going on here? Um, and it's very interesting because we're seeing now that if you are a person who <coughs> actually watch um, gay porn, things have changed a little bit. We are seeing more people of color. For example, um, Sean Cody has been white forever, but we're now seeing more people of color popping up, including Asians. Uh, we're seeing more Asian um, men in gay porn. Um, not a lot, but we're seeing a few more. Also, with some of the other popular places, we're seeing more men of color pop up. But to see this um, category was kind of eye-popping. So, I remember seeing that and like, what is that all about? And the next thing you know, I see a tweet from you. (coughs) To where he is talking about why do we have this category and what is this really all about? (coughs) So, I'm going to let you kind of talk about that experience for you when you saw that and what made you kind of 
decide to speak out about it. Sure thing. Um, happy to. Uh, this awards is it's the Gay Vienna Awards. They're they are the gay umbrella of the AVN. AVN is the Adult Video Network. It's one of the mega behemoths of the adult entertainment industry. And there are a handful of gay porn awards throughout the season. Uh, Cyber Socket, Grabbies. Um, there's a few smaller ones also, but GVN have been out of the scene for six or seven years. I, I can't remember how long. I wasn't in the scene when they did their last show. Um, so GVN posted their awards, and I'll be 100% honest, I don't ever pay any attention to the awards in the adult industry because I really kind of view them as a pay-for-play. Um, if you spend enough in ad dollars or you're a sponsor or you're a promoter, you're winning the awards. That's kind of how it works. Hmm. And it goes to a handful of the same people at the same studios on a recurring theme year after year after year. Um, so I really don't participate in any of them except the Grabby Awards. And I'm going to call that out specifically because the Grabby Awards are held each May <coughs> Uh, during IML weekend, Memorial Day weekend in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I call attention to the Grabby Awards, regardless of who the nominees or the winners are, all of the proceeds from the Grabby Awards goes to TPAN, the Test Positive mm -hmm. Awareness Network, mm -hmm. um, which is a charity that I've done a lot of work with over the years. Um, and for all of the 20-some years that the Grabbies have existed, they have always donated their proceeds to... Um, TPAN resulting in, 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 in tens of tens of thousands of dollars being donated to them. So I do support that award show based on that grounds of it going to a charitable organization because I think that's important and it's an organization that does really good work and is really necessary for a lot of people in our community. That said, the Gabians nominations came out and I, you know, you start seeing the tweets, fast and furious flying, people congratulating each other and themselves on their nominations. I've, I've never, never in my entire entertainment career, um, theater, film, and otherwise, have I ever seen you congratulate yourself on a nomination. <laughs> like, like I said on the gay porn world. Um, it <laughs> baffles me. So I'm like, okay, let's let's check these suckers out. Not expecting much because I was expecting all the regular characters to be nominated, and for the most part, all of the regular characters are nominated. Mm -hmm. All the same studios for with Best Picture, and all the same directors from the same studios, and all the same sites that are always nominated for Best Site. You know. It, it really doesn't change. And then you look at who's sponsoring the events and who's promoting the events and who the advertisers are. And, you know, there's, there's not a real surprise in the names. But I'm perusing through the endless lists of nominees because also in gay porn, for people out there who aren't aware, they like to nominate 10, 15, 20 people in an award category. I've also <laughs> never seen this before. It's all in an effort for as much free publicity as they can get because the more nominees you put in the category, the more people are going to tweet about the award show. Yeah. 
and the more people you'll probably get to come to the award show because they're nominated, and that's how you'll be able to sell more tickets because you have more quote-unquote stars in the house that night. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tell the truth. <laughs> I, I don't like <laughs> Award. I don't like these award shows. I don't know who nominates the people. I don't know who votes for the people. I, I don't know how any of these are determined. And without something statistically validating these awards and who voted on them and how the nomination process was held, it's kind of like a big advertisement for a handful of porn companies. Um, but I'm perusing through the awards and I'm going through and I'm going through and I'm like, oh, la, la, la. And then I get to the aforementioned best ethnic scene category. And at first, I honestly, I didn't even understand what best ethnic scene meant. I, yeah. I couldn't even wrap my head around it. I couldn't Because either. I thought, who uses the word ethnic? <clears throat> so uh, I then start going through the 15 or 20 scenes nominated. I can't remember, but it was at least 15, but no more than 20. And I'm looking at the names. And... I'm fairly well versed in people's names in the industry and can usually tie a name to a face mm-hmm. for the most part. And I'm noticing it's black, black scene, black, black scene, black, black scene, Latin, black scene, Latin, Latin scene, Asian, Asian scene. Black Latin scene, and I'm kind of, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm like, they've literally created a character, a, a, a category that is all men of color. I, I, I could, I, I was dumbfounded. I, I'm like, I, it's 2017. Are we really yeah. doing this? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, now I have to start investigating the <coughs> other scene. So I look in the regular best scene category, and I'm like, hmm, this category is suspiciously white. And then I, you know, look through the best actor and best supporting actor category, which there are 15 men in each category named, not one man of color in either category. Mm -hmm. So then I go to the performer of the year category. And out of 15, there are three men of color. Um, And... I'm sitting here and I'm thinking it, this is, well, it's racist. I mean, that's the only way I can look at it. That's the only word that could come to my mind. It's just bizarre that I'm reading this in 2017. So I talked to my husband and I'm like, I don't want to be nominated for this award. I don't want my name on this. I, I, I've worked hard in the three years that I've been in this industry to try and do a broad cross-section of work Mm -hmm. with a broad cross-section of people um, from big big mega studios to the really small independent upstart websites to people overseas and with, you know, as many different uh, models as I could, even requesting from certain studios to work with more men of color because I wanted to work with a variety of people (laughs) in my body work. And I'm I'm just thinking, I, I don't don't want my name on this. So he said, well, before you write anything tonight, he said, sleep on it and really think about what you want to write. 
So I took his advice because normally I would have just tweeted out something stupid and been done with it. <laughs> but then the next morning I got up and, and I thought, I'm writing a letter because I could really put into words what I feel about this issue. And what was originally intended to be a rather short letter ended up being a two-page letter, really explaining my position on the issue, mm-hmm. why I found it so offensive, um, questioning why something like that would be done, and then really targeting it back to the studios because they they really need to take up the charge in doing better in diversifying and further diversifying in their casting and just giving better options for an award show. And so I posted it and I declined my nominations in it. And um, I really posted it in hopes of a conversation starting. Yes. Because it's a conversation I felt needed to happen. And it's a conversation I feel people have tried to have in the past, but unsuccessfully because I, I don't know why. Maybe because of who they were. Maybe it was because they were men of color. Maybe because they may not have addressed it in an articulate way that would grab the attention of the right people. But I thought this was the right time to really take a stand and hope to start a conversation. Mm-hmm. And because this is game. AVN, which is, like I said, the gay umbrella of AVN. Yeah, I'm like, this might be the one chance to get mainstream media to pick this story up and run with it yeah. because it, it's basically, I'm basically attacking a billion dollar company yeah. with AVN. Yeah. I mean, it's just that simple. Yeah. They're worth billions of dollars. Um, and luckily... Instinct was the first one to kind of latch on to it. Although they called my letter a tangent, which they later retracted and decided was not a tangent after so many other publications had picked it up. (laughs) Um, But then the conversation really started. And it was an overwhelming amount of support that I was getting from the general public Mm -hmm. that were really on my side, and not my side, but on the side of this is wrong, and there needs to be better representation of the films being made. Yeah. So that's the really long story. I'm sorry. That's also the other reason why I write a letter, because if <laughs> I write a letter, I could be more direct in what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, we get what you're saying, because when I, I read it and I saw it, and it reminded me of an article I wrote a couple of years ago about where are the black men in mainstream gay porn. And, yes. you know, when I grew up... Um, well, I was I, I'm I'm a little bit older, so I'm 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 43. So when I was in college in the 90s, there was only so few that we had. We had like Ryan Block, um, who was in a lot of other movies, um, a lot of Shishi Larue movies too. But you really didn't like his background was you knew he was mixed race, um, but you also knew he was also in a lot of he was in the blackballed. I think he was in a couple of the blackballed series. Uh, I think it was in the first two at least. Um, and then there was a few others that you saw, you know, in other things, but they were never really in those mainstream Falcon and Jocks they at were, the time. They were never in the glossy high production. No, they wasn't. You never really saw them in the magazines. And back in my day, we had to actually go and get the video and go get the DVD. Um, when I moved to New York, we went to, before they changed it, there was a lot of places at 42nd Street, you can go get like copies 
but still at the same time, you didn't see a lot of black men or other men of color in mainstream unless they were um there were a few that kind of got in there and i can't remember their names but i could see their faces um but if you did see a lot of them it was because they were in the gangbang ones or the gangbang ones like stuff like that or the very cheap ones so to see this to see that we didn't really get so far over those years was interesting and then to see that there's been some changes um it's been great but then to see this that category was kind of a a reminder that we still have a lot of work to do and some people will laugh and say why do you care about what's happening in the porn world well in in a lot of ways for many gay men that's their introduction to what it is you know i i always tell my story of I didn't even know when I was young, I was raised in Tennessee. So I didn't even know we existed. Only thing I knew is there was a gay man who was murdered in the movie called The Fan with Lauren Bacall. And then there was Lamar Luttrell in Revenge of the Nerds. That's all I knew. And so uh-huh. and so when I, I remember one year, my senior year in high school, my friends and I decided we wanted to go see if there was a such thing as a, as a gay porn. Because we knew there was always women and women in porn. We never saw two men. And so when we found one, my life changed. Because I was like, oh my God. We actually exist. And we can do it like this. I never knew stuff like this. For so, so there are many people who grew up, didn't, who didn't know about gay sex or gay people until they saw this. So in some ways, I always felt like gay porn played a role in how we see ourselves sexually. But also, when you don't see yourself as a person of color, that also kind of plays a role. Or if you see yourself as a person of color, but you see yourself in a certain role, like as a black man, you're always the top. You're always the big dick top and aggressive. Or if you're Asian, you're always the bottom. Or if you're Latino, you can be, you're very demure in certain ways or what have you. It was, the roles were always stereotypical. So, to see that we are still having this issue in 2017 was very bothersome. So it was great that you brought this up and we had this conversation because we do need to look at the past of how gay porn has treated people of color and to see that we have not moved that far in the, that far at all in the future. No, I mean, I, I, you know, there are a couple quick points I want, I, I do want to make about <clears throat> I, I, I initially had this letter and I was first posting it before anyone had caught on to it. I reached out to a confidant with some power in the industry mm-hmm. um, that I considered a friend that I, you know, had done some work for. And I, they read the letter and they got back to me and said that what I was doing was commendable and they see the issues in the industry and they think they need to be addressed, but because of their position um, and their connection and affiliation and whatnot, they couldn't put their name on it because it would be bad for their business. Hmm. Um, I was also told I was messaged after this started getting picked up by everybody by another quite infamous director of three decades of working in the industry uh-huh. that this person did not want to be tagged on any posts to do with this on social media mm-hmm. because 
he viewed it as unnecessary drama in an already drama-filled industry. Um, wow. And then other comments like that started coming at me. So for as much public support as there was, yeah. um, the inside support wasn't so visible. Um, I think there were a number of models who probably agree with me, but were so afraid to say anything for mm -hmm. fear of not getting work. Mm -hmm. uh, my husband spoke up and of course declined his nominations almost immediately after I did and you know defended myself. <coughs> um, Armand Rizzo, who we both worked with mm -hmm. and I, I think is one of truly the best performers in the industry, also took a stance against it and declined his nominations. Mm -hmm. um, Sean Zevrin had a muddied response, and I'm going to say it was a muddied response to what had happened, still thinking that there might be a need for such a category, which I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. But he did decline his nomination and think that this still needed conversation and needed to be addressed. Mm -hmm. um, but that was it. <laughs> yeah. it, it. That was it. Yeah. And then the new onslaught started of men of color in the industry who were coming after me and thanking me for being an ally, but saying I couldn't be the one to be the spokesperson, mm -hmm. that it can't be a white person fighting this battle, mm -hmm. that it can't be me saying these things. There needs to be a man of color that needs to really lead the charge and be heard from mm -hmm. the group. And while I don't disagree with that, my issue is I wasn't trying to be a leader. I was yeah. trying to start a conversation. Yeah. I saw an opportunity with AVN yeah. that could get the conversation started in the media that other people did not see that connection yeah. and left it open for people to really run with it and mm -hmm. you know take the charge. Mm -hmm. But they've chosen not to. Whether yeah. through their work affiliations or fear of getting more work mm -hmm. or I, I don't know why or because they'd rather complain that it's a white person making mm -hmm. the noise, which I that was not something that even struck me. I, mm -hmm. I, I just thought this is an opportunity to make a conversation yeah. happen because of who this award show is. Yeah, actually, oh, go ahead. It's it just it's it's provided some pushback and backlash that I really didn't anticipate mm -hmm. to the point where I really pulled myself out of most of the conversations to be, to be really quite honest, mm -hmm. because I, I said, I wanted to get the conversation started. I feel the conversation has started. I also sadly feel that within a week, the conversation is already dying mm -hmm. because nobody has jumped on it to further the cause. But I, I don't know that I can be the champion of it because I, 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 I've gotten such mixed reactions from the actual people within the industry yeah. that it, I, I, don't know if, I don't know how many people really want there to be a change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah that, I know we have had, we, we've wanted to do some kind of conversation about racism and bigotry in the gay porn industry for some time, but we didn't know how to go about asking actors, studios, if they would want to talk about it for fear of them risking their own careers. 
Yeah. So it's is brave for what what you're doing right now. And to the the people of color saying that oh you shouldn't be the one to stand up. Well, if it was coming from a a black person or a, a other person of color, then they would say oh white actors need to say something. So it's it's almost like a damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation. Yeah. And well, I I, I, I I tried to liken it to the passage of marriage equality in the States. It was based on a case of a gay couple, but it made media coverage and ultimately advanced because of all the allies and advocates in the straight community that the LGBTQ community has. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Otherwise, it would never have gotten the media attention. And, you know, I don't think any of the straight people were doing it for selfish reasons. I think that they, you know, came to the advocacy of marriage equality because they felt it was the right thing to do, that everyone Mm -hmm. should be afforded that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of the position that I'm going to take is I wasn't doing any of it for myself. I was doing it because I looked at a situation that I found egregious Mm -hmm. and I felt this was the right thing to do and just happened to be the right time to do it Mm -hmm. to be able to make some noise with it. Um, I, I, I'm glad you, you guys are talking about it and bringing it to people's attention. Um, there's a few others that are too still, but you know, I mean, you know, the sad truth is, the the major you know publications like Huffington Post and Instinct and New Now Next with Logo, they all covered the story extensively for a handful of days and gave people ample opportunity to jump on and really be part of the conversation. Yeah. Well, as we all know, it's a twenty four hour news cycle, and something new has to constantly be coming. Yeah. So when the next news story came up this story became secondary and keeps falling down on their radar. And my fear is that people aren't going to see the change that really needs to happen because they may have missed this great opportunity to be part of the conversation right now. Right. And it's just, it's always disappointing when something that needs to be a conversation that needs to be had is taken to the back row and then soon after it's just forgotten and then we keep on having this uh, it'll maybe like a couple of years we'll have the same conversation and then it'll die again so it's it's just it's a never-ending cycle there there's a very prominent um actor of color in our industry who i am friends friends with who said that he did not agree with that award being included, but he didn't see it as racism. He saw it as a prejudice because he said that there needs to be hate for there to be racism. There doesn't need to be hate for there to be racism. No, that's... We can all look up the definition of racism in, in the dictionary. Hate has absolutely nothing to do with racism. Racism is a bigoted bias toward one racial group denoting that it is superior in some way to another race race of people. That's what being racist is. It has nothing to do with those people hating the other people. 
it's just they think they're better. It's oh. it's it's really that simple. Um, yes, hate. A lot of times, hate does come from racism. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. And I also don't think Gabian did this from a place of hate. I you know I don't think it came from a place of hate, but it was a racist thing to do. Yeah, it's right. just that simple. And when you have people of color <coughs> saying that this that these acts aren't acts of racism, but rather acts of prejudice, it really hurts any movement to correct a situation. Well, I'll, I will say this, I'll, and I'll just keep it real. A lot of, I don't, exp- <laughs> some of them don't understand the the whole nuances of racism and systematic racism, institutional racism, the way it is done, it is not done. It's not done to where you. It's it's not like a. How do I say it? It's not like somebody burning a cross. Yeah, it's not. Know, it's so. It's, 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 it's not easily identifiable. Yes. It's all of the subtle ways it's that it's being ways. done and integrated into your life. Yeah, and even they don't even see that. So. When you were talking about how people were saying that it shouldn't be, it shouldn't have been you, I would push back and say, no, it should have been him. Because I think about Diesel Washington. He brought this up years ago. Um, and that kind of went on the wayside. Um, so for you to bring this up, it I believe that is a good thing to have a white person say this is wrong usually changes the conversation because it's like, oh, it's just not the same old ones who's always complaining about it. It is someone who actually, who from the other side sees the issue. And so, so those who are pushing against you to say it shouldn't be, you know, it should be you. And then they should also ask themselves, so why is it not them? You know, why, why are they not speaking out as the way you were speaking out? And this, and now here's the time they can speak out to do it. What you did was great because it really pinpoint again we will always be saying stuff like this but it's expected for us as people of color to speak out on these things but to have a white person within the industry think about it Hugh you're one of the few if not the only who has actually done it this way so you kind of you started this fire you know kind of an inferno of how we need to have this conversation because it is a huge issue the fact that they even thought they could do a category like this is purely wrong. And the fact that we still don't have men of color in some of these mainstream um, companies as much as they should be is still an issue. I, I, I personally, I thought if I was like, if I own a Sean Cody or um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of some of the, you know, the ones everybody's going to men.com or what have you. I would try to be as diverse as possible because I want everybody to watch me. I want all the money, <laughs> all the money from everyone. So why? I, I just I, I can't even. I don't even understand it truthfully from a business. Yeah, I don't either. Because don't either. Pornhub releases statistics every year yes. on porn consumption yes. in the U.S. <coughs> and it came out again this past year, the same as it always does, and. That fueled my fire because the top search in gay porn is black. (laughs) Not that I necessarily think that black should be a genre of gay porn, but that means the top search by almost double of the second search was black. 
that means that people are literally out there having to type it in and Google search <laughs> it because they can't find it. Yes. Uh-huh. Because it doesn't exist in a wide enough quantity for people to find it. But the studios will still continue to say, but we just make what the people want. And well, that's, that's a, it's a crack of shit because the statistics are there showing, I mean, they even broke it down by the top searches by state. Yep. Mm -hmm. And 17 states top search was black. (laughs) Um, no, 17 or 19. I can't remember. It was, it was right, right around there. Yeah. So nearly half of the state's top searches were for to see black men in gay porn. So I I don't understand this notion that we're making what people want to see. And then I did have a, I did have the opportunity as this all transpired to speak with a distributor, JRL. Uh JRL is one of the big distribution companies that they still, they distribute the hard copy DVDs to stock the shelves in the stores and bookstores and, you know, that kind of thing. The libraries of people who buy hard copies still. Mm-hmm. Because there is still a big DVD market yeah. for porn. People think everything is internet, but for no. <laughs> for porn, it's still a pretty 50-50 market. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't have internet access or don't want people to see things on their yeah. computer or have a right. trace or that kind of thing. It's safer. Um, yeah, it's safer to do it. But JRL said to me in our conversation that in the past six years, they've seen a steady decline of men of color in gay porn that they're selling Hmm. to these businesses. Meanwhile, over the past six years, these business owners are conveying to JRL that their consumers want more men of color and more diversity in their purchase, in their films they're purchasing. So you have the customer literally telling the distribution company, we need more of this. And the distribution company is watching it decline because the studios aren't even making the same amount. They're, in fact, making less each year over the past six years to not meet the demands. Yeah. So it's just the basic business sense of things. If you even take racism out of the equation, you'd be making more diverse porn all of the time because it would be better for your bottom dollar because clearly more people want to buy that. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's still not happening. So, so I get really impassioned and worked up about this because I, I, I watch this happen in so many industries in, in media and it, it baffles me that so many other facets of entertainment have figured out how to do this correctly. Like um, I'm a musical theater guy. That's what I did for decades, and I still was there. I was auditioning today for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for the tour because that's (laughs) what I really do. Um, My full-time job is musical theater and being a singer. But the Broadway community has found a way to do so well with um, colorblind casting in so many of their works to the point that a show like Hamilton is not only loved, but so widely embraced right now in the community Uh when 
something like that could never be created in the gay porn industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because, but it's because the Actors Union Four stage has made a concerted effort over the past couple of decades. I've been a union member since the late '90s with the acting union, with the stage union, where they've done programs on diversity and diverse casting and made it their mission that every role is open to every color for casting purposes. I mean, and when you think about it, because of those things, we've, we've gotten great performers that have come out like Audra McDonald mm-hmm. has gotten, yep. Yep. He's gotten to play Miss Snow you know, in Carousel because of this and really transcended the way we think about casting. And so I've seen that happen on stage. Film is a different ball game. It's doing better because mm-hmm. we've now got movies like Moonlight coming out and not just coming out, but winning the Oscar, yeah. which is fantastic. It was a brilliant film yeah. that depicted a, a life that I think most white moviegoers couldn't ever imagine, but they finally got to experience it. Mm-hmm. And now I watch us sitting here in this other form of entertainment stuck having the same conversation that so many people before have had with no advancement being made partially because there's no ruling body over this entertainment field there's no union there's nobody telling them they need to be diverse Mm. there's you know there's nobody wants to touch the gay porn or straight porn industry for that matter because it's like oh it's porn it's you know taboo it's not moral It, it you know lots lots of that thought process behind it so it's almost as if it gets discarded but for the billions of dollars it generates each year i think more people need to pay attention because as you said it influences so many young folk who are learning about their sexuality it's their first experience with sexuality Mm -hmm. um and for so many people we are the educators of sexuality because we're the first thing they see <laughs> that's yeah. of a sexual nature yeah, very true. i mean a gay porn could be the first porn some gentleman sees that makes him realize oh i'm i, I am gay you know it's it's that kind of thing it really does have an actual effect on people yeah so i i take it very seriously that it needs to be more diverse to be more representative of what the world really is yeah. I also think that right now in the orange, bloated, booze <laughs> America, where um, the band-aid that President Obama put on racism for eight years has been clearly ripped off, it's now becoming more acceptable to not make diverse choices and to not be so correct in what you say and how you view people and how you classify entire races of people. And I I think it's disheartening. I think it's most disheartening that gay porn is part of the LGBTQ community and we're out there fighting for equality amongst these people who physically hate us for being gay but yet we don't afford those same opportunities of equality 
to our brothers and sisters based on the color of their skin hmm. within our own group. And that's, it's really disheartening to me and it, 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 it hurts and it makes me really sad. Yeah. And you're, you're very, and that's the end of my, and that's the end of my <laughs> tangent right now. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it makes sense because you have to think about the fact, um, it, it is interesting because I think about, I mean, I, I feel like straight porn has kind of moved a little bit more forward, you know, with being a little bit more diverse. Um, the reason why I know, because I watch um, AVN, it came on Showtime and I actually watched the awards. <laughs> and just... Well, you could get, it's on your Roku. There's an AVN, yeah. AEVNQ on your Roku now. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. And so like seeing some of the actresses and, you know, see some of them rise up and, you know, I think of the ones who, you know, who've been in the game. It's interesting to see the diversity there, but it's still a struggle within our own. And do you think, Hugh, that we will actually get to a place where it this will be kind of a fantasy, where it was we'll have more diverse scenes and we will have more people of color, like in a Bellamy type of atmosphere versus like in a back room corner? <laughs> like, you think that we'll yeah. actually get there? I... I... In a in a matter of time, I believe I believe there will be. Um, will it be in my time in the industry? I, I doubt it. Mm -hmm. um, will it come in a decade? In two decades? I, I can't I can't put a timetable on it. Mm -hmm. But I think as times evolve, this period of history that we're living in right now which is an exaggerated horror for American history, <laughs> yeah. will eventually end. We know yeah. it will yes. end. Whether the orange man is removed or his term ends and someone else goes in office and the House and the Senate will roll over as it often as it often does on the every eight to twelve year mark. Like it it just it happens in a cyclical pattern in this country. And I think that once we get past this awful part of history, people will start healing again and reunifying mm -hmm. again. And I think when that really starts happening, that, 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 that'll affect what we're seeing in gay porn. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think it would happen before then, but if not before then, it'll start happening just mm -hmm. naturally as the entire country starts to heal. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also, you know, I, I used to say this kind of jokingly, that, you know, at, there, there are less true Republican voters because the Republicans are dying off because it's the old folks. Yeah. And the young folks coming up are the more, you know, liberal progressive types. The same is happening in the porn industry. You know, these people have been around, some of these people have been around 20, 30 years in the industry. Their time's running out. Mm -hmm. So as some of these extended stay veterans, if you will, um, move out and new blood comes in, there'll be a natural change in what we see being displayed. Um, so to answer your question, yes, I, I, I think we will see it because it's just the nature of where things really are headed it doesn't seem that that's where we're headed right now in this country, but it's where we were headed up until about a year ago. So I have to think 
that after this blip is over, we'll be able to start healing and go back on that track mm-hmm. and we'll start seeing it again. Do you do you think your colleagues within the within the industry, do you think they want you they want to see a more diverse group of people or be in more diverse scenes? You know, I I actually wonder if if a lot of them even care. I really I really don't believe that the major, that the great majority of the people I work with mm-hmm. wanted to stay whitewashed. Mm-hmm. I really believe the great majority of the people that I work with really do want more diversity, and they do want it to be more reflective of the community as a whole. But you know, the the the, the, tr- the truth remains that the great the the majority of the people I work with are not the people in power. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, I even have to how much casting authority the directors truly have i mean i i i I'm, from what i understand in a lot of situations for the, the bigger studios that the directors can submit requests for models but then it has to be approved by this the studio so i don't even know that all of the blame could fall on the directors i mean i think the directors could that some directors could certainly be more vocal um, in their casting process and wanting to see more diversity, but then they'd have to be searching for more diverse talents as well. They couldn't just continue to keep working out of the same talent pool. Hmm. Um, you know, there. It's. I don't believe people are necessarily that I work within the industry are necessarily racist. I think there are some definite racist activities happening um, mm-hmm. that are stemming from the quote-unquote muckety-mucks with the power and the money yeah. um, that are you know, maybe making some of the overarching decisions and deciding what they think sells or what the look should be or that type of thing. Um, I the average model that's walking in, the great majority of them will work with anyone. I know I would always work with anyone. That It was my job. I mean, it was like any other job. Whoever mm-hmm. I get cast to work with, I'm, I'm getting cast to work with. This is my job. Um, I do know that I've heard stories that there are models who will not work with men of color and get away with it. I don't know why they get away with it. I don't think they should be allowed to get away with it. Yeah. But I, you know, I also don't think Kobe Keller should be working in the industry at all. And yet, there <laughs> right? I was going to say something about that past week filming at Falcon because apparently he's such a quote-unquote star. The industry just can't live without putting Kobe Keller in everything. Which I'm really confused because it doesn't feel like people the want to see him. on the industry yeah. in the past year. <laughs> He's the Roseanne of porn. He's literally <laughs> the Roseanne bar of porn. Yeah. Like, and yeah, you're totally right. We let it away with it. Like, it was, it, it was, like, I remember when... And I, I, I will admit, I, I used to watch him. I used to, you know, enjoy watching him. And then when that came out, I was like, well, okay, well, you just let me take you out of my cues, you know, of what I normally have looked at. Um, because I can't support somebody who literally voted for someone who would basically get rid of us if they could. You know, I, I don't want that. And I... Well, I, it was... His reasoning behind doing it was... His 
reasoning was filled with so much sophomoric naivete yeah. that you can just burn the whole house down because you don't like the way things are working so that the other people could come in and rebuild it better. Well, that's not how you rebuild the house. No. You don't tear down the whole house because it needs a gut rehab. (laughs) You send the professionals in inside to do the gut rehab and to fix what's not working. You know, it's just, it was just, his statement was so, it was stupid. It was just stupid. Yeah. Uh And it's complicated when studios like men.com which continue to release these parodies, which are painful because <laughs> the vast majority of people in porn cannot act. And so we keep putting them in these positions where they have to act these very, very famous roles. But they came out with that Justice League parody. Oh, yep. yeah. yeah. And they literally removed the character of Cyborg, the legitimately black, superhero from their parody to insert a Green Lantern character which isn't even from that universe (laughs) Um, and then cast Colby Keller as it. It was like what kind of a slap in the face is that to people? Yeah that was because we think about people People... Pulled the one black character and you replaced it with a white character played by Colby Keller. That and the fact that a lot of people who grew up with the cartoon knew Green Lantern as a black Green Lantern. So it was and kind it... of that slap. Yeah, again, another slap in the face. Like you will put him so in this role. Pulling Cyborg was a slap in the face. Yeah. And then casting Colby Keller as the Green Lantern was a slap. It was. But Men.com doesn't care. I, they don't care. I've, I've never filmed once for men.com. Um, I don't have a bitter history about not filming with them. It's been by choice because I don't believe in their casting practices. Hmm. And I don't believe in some of the discriminatory practices they have against certain races, um, at least as evidenced by what you see on the screen. Hmm. I also don't like the stigmatizing of the HIV positive population by um, their casting and lack thereof in their films. Um, I have a lot of issues with that company as a whole. But that Justice League, I'm like, it couldn't have come out at a worse time with everything going on with gay VN, literally all in the same week. Yeah. And then I think it was on New Now Next when they published the article about what my letter. Yeah. Then there was the ad for See More that's at the attached at the bottom of all the, you know, digital magazine copy. Yeah. And it was an ad for the Justice League parody. I'm like, <laughs> well, if this isn't hilarious. Yeah. That the ad for their See More content is the movie that cut the man of color. Yeah. For Colby Keller. True. So, I mean, there's things like that that I don't think, as a whole, I think the industry will move forward and will make better decisions and will make better choices and will be more diverse. All right.
Will the entire industry do that? No, because I don't <laughs> think all of Hollywood has done that, to be yeah. quite honest. I don't think that will, that's re realistic. I think it's a nice score, <coughs> but there will always be a company like that that, for whatever reason, is only going to work in that one demographic. Yeah. And I think that's that particular company. But I mean, come on, Colby Keller. I mean, it's just silly. <laughs> I've seen, I see him get cast, and I see on Twitter people posting pictures of filming with him all the time, and I, I can't help wondering. There are so many people who work so hard and do such good work and are such great performers, but they keep casting him. Yeah, like yourself. History. <laughs> like yourself, because I, I, like I said, I've done my research, and you are right. You have worked. On several different things like the kink, the kink men or the kink site, uh, which is bound in public is kind of my favorite. Um, and then we <laughs> some of the other ones I've seen you in, you've done stuff um, where it's like the leather. It's kind of where I think it was someone was you and two other people where someone was like chained to something like you've done a, a diverse amount of work. Yeah, and, I mean, I, 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 I always said if I was, I mean, I'm 42 now, so I'm not young. And when I entered the industry, I was, I've, it's been, I've been in it for about three years. Mm -hmm. so three years, this, what day is today? Today's the sixth, yeah. fifth? Fifth. Fifth. Yeah. It will be Hugh Hunter's third birthday, December 8th, officially. Because oh. <laughs> uh, I shot my first scene with Titan on December 8th, mm -hmm. um, three years ago. So, I mean, I've been, I, I consider myself very fortunate. And I, I, I like to always make that known that I've been able to work for Titan and yeah. work for Raging Stallion. And I've done a lot of the Club Inferno and the hardcore, like yeah. the, the fisting movies for the really fetish people. And mm -hmm. I've worked a lot with kink men yeah. in, you know, the naked combat with the wrestling and the yeah. bound gods. Yeah. And that kind of thing that was for, a good one. for that particular <laughs> fetish group. Yeah. Um, I've also been really lucky to have gotten to work with um, Men at Play in yes. Spain and Christian Bjorn in Spain and mm -hmm. Tim Tails and <gasps> Fucker Mates and those folks and have gotten to work with such amazing performers yes. who are men of color. Um, yes, you you mentioned Tim Tales, which a much lesser issue in Europe. Yeah, because um, <laughs> it is here in the states. Yeah, you mentioned Tim Tales, and what I appreciate about Tim Tales is Tim works with a very diverse group of people. Like he works with yes, very well, diverse. There's specific requirements for working with him. He doesn't care about your race, your ethnicity, or your background. You have to either meet the requirements to be a top for his scene or meet the requirements to be a bottom for his scene. <laughs> it doesn't make a difference what your makeup is that gets you there. Yeah. You just there are just specific statistical requirements that you have to meet to be cast in his scenes. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Because that's like putting out a proper or casting call like I'm used to reading going in for a film part or for a stage show mm -hmm. you know there are requirements for playing roles mm -hmm. and never once have I read a role description that had a ethnicity associated with it other than an mm -hmm. accent if it wanted an accent yeah um, <coughs> but Tim, and Tim's a great guy and I, I genuinely enjoyed my time I didn't film with him but we got to spend some time with him and did an event with him out in public and 
he was a lot of fun, and he's just a really great, laid-back, nice man. Oh, he's my crush. But, um, yeah, it's... I feel like you have done a lot of great work and your work speaks for itself. I think it's very diverse. It is, you know, in some in some ways it's edgy, but yet you give us a different side of yourself in these roles. So I hope that we do see more people not only do that, but, but allow other people to do that. They allow us to see, especially people of color, to be diverse in the roles that they can play in. You know, not to be in stereotypical roles, but to see more black bottoms <laughs> or to see different, you know, to see something a little bit different than what we've normally seen. So I'm hoping for the best. And I'm I'm really glad that you started this conversation because it needed to happen. And, you know, for all those who keep saying that you're a white person, but forget them. It's good that you were a white person to do it because it makes people open their eyes. It's like, it is an issue. It always been one, but the fact that you brought it out there um, is very important. So I, I personally thank you for doing that because it is something we do need to talk about and people should get over the fact that it is gay porn. Gay porn is, is, a, is a very big part of our community. Um, so we have to accept that, embrace that. And I think once we do that, we can have these conversations to where we can make it a better experience and a, for everyone who will either watch it or does it or even make it. I agree. No, and I, and, and like I said, I, I, we're in a, we're in an odd place in American history right now that I think is going to be a little hinky to get through. Um, I know the conversation is quieted down some, Yeah. you know, since it started last week, but KVN is making strides. They are setting up at their next conference a roundtable to really discuss the state of diversity in the industry. Yeah. I've spoken with the owner of AVN. And he'd asked if I would be interested in sitting on that roundtable. And I told him that, you know, he did pique my interest with that because it would be as close to a governing board or a union as this industry may ever get mm -hmm. to really, you know, start putting some rules and regu regulations and encouraging diversity and doing more education around that. Um, but I told them that I only wanted to do that if very specific people were sitting at that round table with me mm -hmm. and they would really needed to be the people with casting authority. Hmm. Like don't just throw directors at there <clears throat> if they can't do the casting. I want to sit down with the people who are doing the casting. I don't care if that means that there's a casting director somewhere or if it's the owner of the studio. Those are the people that need to be at the table. So moves like this by KVN, they encourage me that, you know, they're, they, they did listen. Yeah. They are taking notes. They do want to do something right because they do realize they've done something wrong. Yeah. Um, their apology was muddy, but they recognized that it it was a, just a bad move, yeah. and they want to try and you know make other accommodations moving forward to try and encourage more diversity, and that makes me happy because that means somebody is that's one person of power who may have listened. Yeah, and that's a great thing, because um, those are the people that we really need to get to. And what I also want to tell people um, out there, any listeners who may be fans of gay porn, 
if you want to see more men of color and more diversity in the casting of men of color and see them represented in different ways in the films they're used, tweet at these studios. People pay attention to the tweets. <coughs> I'm telling you, tag people if you want to see, if you have a favorite studio and you're not seeing what you want to see from them, even if it isn't just about men of color, if it's anything, tweet these studios. Let them know what they're doing right. Let them know what they're doing wrong mm -hmm. and then call them on it <laughs> if, if they're not making changes. Yeah. Um, they, have, they have people manning these social media accounts all the time. They're usually very responsive. Um, and the viewing public, like your consumers, you have a lot more power than you give yourself credit for. And that power really starts with using social media to the best advantage we can. And, you know, just tell the studios what you want to see and how you want to see it portrayed. Mm -hmm. um, I, it, that's, that's something that everyone can do. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, Nick, do you have any other questions, anything you want to say? I mean, no, we, we talked talked about it all um i think that was a good wrap up because you know as consumers of porn we need to be better aware of what we <coughs> what we have as rights as yeah. uh consumers of porn so it's good that we can tweet these people and say that you know you need to add more, more diversity or you need to add this or that so that, that was good and great advice and i thoroughly enjoyed this this interview with you um, and it gets good information and lets us know that there's still work to be done, but at least the work has started. Yeah. Yeah. No, th thank you both so much for having me on and, and letting me just kind of caterwaul for a bit. I, I, <laughs> I know I, I have a tendency to talk in circles sometimes, but it happens when I'm passionate about something and it really does come from a place mm -hmm. of me truly feeling that it's important and it's work that needs to be done. And yeah. um, like I said, I'm encouraged by the owner of AVN's response and the idea of a roundtable to further address diversity. And that will be a good step. In the meantime, consumers, get your thumbs going and let people know what you want. <laughs> uh, I, can't, I can't stress that enough. <laughs> And thank you both so much for having me on. It really was a pleasure getting to hang out with you tonight and chit chat and talk about everything. Not a problem at yeah. all. So can you tell everybody where they can find you on uh, the internet? Sure. Um, one of the best places probably to look me up is AEBN. If you just search Hugh Hunter, I have a page of scenes and a page of films there. Um, as far as social media, you could find me on Twitter. I'm at the Hugh Hunter, so follow me there. Um, you'll, if I'm doing any live appearances, gigs, a cabaret work, anything like that, I post it, and you'll see me repost a lot of things about Broadway and politics. That pretty much eats up most of my feed. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, if anybody out there wants to shoot me questions or anything like that, just 
find me on Twitter. Um, I'm usually pretty responsive, um, as long as you're not too mean. (laughs) (laughs) A simple block will do. (laughs) (laughs) I I try not to block people because I still want to see what people are saying. Mm -hmm. Um, But that does not mean that I have not blocked people. So (laughs) that is so funny. (laughs) So as always, you can follow the podcast at Megashine Pod, I am at Porter Pizzazz. Victor is at Wonder Man Five. You can comment, rate, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Uh, next week we will be our second to last show before we take a couple of weeks off for Christmas. Um, let's see. Anything else before we get up out of here, Victor? Um, no, I am good. Um, we will. Um, yeah, we'll have a couple episodes where we go on our break and we'll probably be talking about some characters soon. So um, think about some of your favorite comic characters because we probably will be talking about them um, coming up. So let us know and we will be on it. All right. And again, Hugh, thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you both so much. I appreciate it. All right. And until next time, guys. All right. Y'all have a good night. Don't do anything bad. And we will see y'all next week.